the Christian life, just one foot in front of the other. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll look at a couple of verses in Ephesians 5 and then the first five verses of Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 5. If you found it, we need you to stand if you would. Let's stand together in honor of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at me in verse... Verse 22. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Drop down to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Then drop over, if you would, to uh, verse 33. It says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now chapter 6 and verses 1 through 5 says, that Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon your words that goes forth tonight, and uh, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to be in church. We thank you for the freedom that we have in this country at least today, to be able to, to worship freely. And, uh, Lord, to have freedom of worship, have freedom of beliefs, have freedom of speech in this country so that we can tell other people about Jesus Christ. Now, we pray, Lord, that you would settle our hearts and remove distractions, remove things that would, would cause us not to think on you and not to think on your word. And we ask, Lord, that the Spirit of God would be very, very present here this, this evening. Lord, we know he's, he's in us, but God, we want to see his power and, uh, and his strength and his, his convicting uh, of our hearts. We ask, God, that you would speak to us, that you would speak to us through your word. And God, as you do so, may we, may we eagerly say yes to you with a submissive heart. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said Amen. You may be seated. Now, we just, we just read several verses in, in chapter 5 and in chapter 6. How you perceive those verses has a difference, it, 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 uh, it uh, varies by, by, by how you are looking at it. You're going to look at those verses, uh, if you're a wife or a husband or a child, or a father, or an employer, or an employee, you're going, to, you're going to look at those verses depending upon whether you look at them through, through eyeglasses of rights or eyeglasses of responsibility. You say, what do you mean rights or responsibility? Well, what are rights? Uh, rights are, are, are legal demands which a person can make of another and expect to, to receive because of what the Word of God says. For instance, in uh, chapter, chapter 6, in verse 2, 
It says that, that uh, 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 parents have a, a right to honor from their children. And all God's parents said, amen. We, we, you know, we ought to get, we ought to get uh, honor from our children. A wife uh, has a, a right to love from her husband. A, a husband has a right to uh, having a wife who is submissive to him. Uh, all those, those things are, are things that, according to the Scriptures, uh, we, have, we have a right to. And, but if you're looking at things strictly from the, the standpoint of what others need to do for or to me, you're going to have a different, you're going to have a different attitude than looking at what I need and what my responsibility is, not my rights, but my responsibility is toward others in our relationship. What are responsibilities? Responsibilities are obligations. Uh, God places upon us those obligations to fulfill the God-given rights of others. Should a, is, it, is it right for a husband to desire and expect a, a wife to be submissive? Yes. Is it right for a, a wife to expect a husband to, to love her and to love her, number two, the Lord first and, and her second? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not what you and I need to be focusing on. We need to not be focusing on our rights, but we need to be re- focusing on our responsibilities. And the reason why it's so important is that it, it will change the attitude that you have toward others, and it'll change the attitude that you have toward God. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard something along this line. I'll show care and concern for my wife as soon as she becomes submissive. Whoa! Stop. Hang on. You're focusing on what you believe are your rights rather than focusing on your responsibility. Your responsibility is to love your wife. And you need, you need to, to focus on that responsibility. Um, a wife says, I'll become submissive when he loves me like he ought to. Well, that's the wrong focus. Wrong focus. What, what she needs to be looking at is what responsibility do I have and am I fulfilling my responsibility? Children, children say, well, you know, I would, I, I would uh, honor my parents if they were worthy of my honor. Right. You know what? That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to obey your parents. Your responsibility is to honor your parents regardless and what God wants us to do is to focus on our responsibilities, not on our rights. Romans chapter 14 and verse 13 says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now, uh, the other area that where, where we, and this is really, this is really um, uh, connected with this rights mentality, and by the way, we're living, in a, we're living in a day and age where everybody's talking about their rights. I have a right to this. I have a right. You know, sometimes they're, they're correct. But here's the question we need to ask ourselves. Am I fulfilling the responsibilities that I have in the position that God has given me? 
That's the question we need to ask. Not whether, listen, I have, I have absolutely no control over how you treat me. I have none. I have no control over how you will react to what I say or what I do. And you have no control over how other... Now, parents do over children, I understand that, and, uh, and, and you ought to. But when it comes to that honor thing, honor comes from the heart. There's a big difference. You know, we just read in, in uh, six, 1 and 2, talks about honor and obedience. A child can obey and not honor. But it, honestly, a, a, a child cannot properly honor and not obey. Uh, if they're properly honoring, they will obey. And uh, uh, the, 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 the other thing that we have a tendency to do is we tend to have expectations that, that, that don't get fulfilled. What are expectations? Well, they're obligations that we conjure up in our own mind that we think others must fulfill or what we think we deserve really is what it is. Um, and and that is, that, that's true in church. That's true with friends. Uh, you, you have, some, you have some, some expectations that you have, and I have expectations that I have of, 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 of family, of friends, of church members. Uh, you've, you've either said this or heard this said or both. Well, I don't expect a Christian to act like that. Well, you know what? There's probably been a few times that people have looked at you and I and said, I don't expect a Christian to act like that because sometimes we don't act like we ought to act. And all God's people said, <laughs> okay. Uh, there, are, there are expectations out there, and there are expectations that we have sometimes that, that we, again, we focus on the expectation rather than focus on a responsibility. Um, a husband comes home, and uh, he, he has to work overtime at work. He comes home late. And he expects his wife to be up with dinner on the table, waiting for him with the curlers out of her hair and looking and smelling beautiful. And, well, you know what? It doesn't always work that way. A, uh, a wife expects a husband to do certain things, like call home, when, <laughs> call home be- before he actually becomes late. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and on and on, the expectations go. Our expectations are often uh, extremely high. And again, we have no control over the fulfillment or the non-fulfillment of those expectations. Uh, A student uh, at night waits for his father to come home and uh, because his father is good at math and he is not. And uh, dad says, whoa, I'm, I'm so busy tonight, I've got some things I have to do. And the student expected the parent to take, take the time and do it. Now, I, again, uh, I'm not saying that the parents shouldn't help the kids. Yeah, they should help the kids. But you know as well as I do, things come up. And there isn't, there isn't anything much worse than having an expectation in your mind. You ever done this? You ever gone to the... You, you, come, you're, you're, you, you come home... And you remembered that there was a chicken leg in the refrigerator. And so 
you open up the refrigerator, you go to grab the chicken leg, and it's gone. And you've been thinking about that chicken leg for the last three hours, okay? And you come home, you open up the refrigerator, and it's gone, and you find out one of those stinking, rotten little kids of yours ate that chicken leg. Well, what's, what's the problem there? The problem is we build up some expectations in our hearts and minds, and because of those expectations, uh, we, get, we get upset, we get irritated when they're not fulfilled, and, 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 and we get angry. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Psalms. You don't need to stay in Ephesians because we're not going back there. Book of Psalms, Psalm 62. You know, a teenager gets, gets older and expects that his little brother and his little sister should respect his privacy. Well, that's an expectation, but oftentimes it's not fulfilled. Again, we, we, have, we have expectations and we, we put these things up as, you know, as, as things that have to be kept according to the way that we think it. And when we do that, we really are violating a, a scriptural principle. Look down in, in Psalm 62 and look in verse 62 and verse, is that right? 62, verse 5, yeah. I looked at 62, 2, and I said, no, that's not it. It's because it's not 62, 5. 62, 5 says, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. It's all right, all right to have expectations, but the expectations need to be in God. The expectations need to be from God. And... and uh, uh, oftentimes, again, we conjure up those expectations in our own heart and mind. Now, what happens when you and I focus on rights and focus on expectations? When you focus on your rights, I have a right to this, I have a right to that. You know, it's, it's interesting. In the uh, book of Revelation, the very last church, and I believe those churches are not not only literal churches that were in existence when the Apostle John penned those words, <clears throat> but, but I believe it, it's also, and you can see this in history, it is, it is uh, indicative of church ages and, and, and uh, church periods, church uh, periods of time in church history, starting with the church at Ephesus and ending up at the church at Laodicea. Well, if that's true, and I believe it is, I think you can see those, that pattern in history, then the church that we're in, the period of time we're in, is the, 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 the time period of the church at Laodicea. And Laodicea means rights of the people. Wow. <laughs> is that not the, the day and age we live? And you say, yeah, that's right. The world's always talking about rights. Let me just fill you in a little bit. So are Christians. And we might not use that term. We might not use that exact wording. But when we focus on what is our perceived rights or what are the things that we expect from others, you end up having anger, you end up being irritable, 
Um, you know, oftentimes uh, we, we, get, we have very, very short fuses because we don't give other folks the mercy that we expect other folks to give us. And we don't have the patience oftentimes that we expect others to have with us. And, and where I think that a lot of that comes from is focusing on those two things, focusing on, on what's our rights and what, what is our, our expectations. And, and uh, rights and expectations will cause anger, and anger comes because we're, we've really lost a biblical attitude. And you find, this, you find this attitude all the way through the Word of God, and it's the attitude of meekness. Bible talks about a woman being of a meek and quiet spirit. The Bible talks about Moses being the meekest man in all the earth. Uh, meekness is a, is a quality that will, if you have meekness, it'll affect your focus. You won't focus on rights and expectations. What you'll focus on is your responsibility before God and before others. What's meekness? Meekness is the voluntary yielding of my rights and my possessions to God so he can work in me and he can work through me. A, a, a simple illustration of this. <clears throat> you'll have a day off. And you'll have some plans for your day off. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And just as you begin to start your day, something happens at home. And all of a sudden, the whole schedule gets thrown off. How do you respond to that? Well, if, you're, if you have meekness, if you have a meek spirit, if you have given your rights to God on the thing, you look at it and say, well, I guess, I guess God didn't want me to get this done today. And I guess God didn't, and it's not like, well, I guess God didn't want me to get, <laughs> not that way, okay? But I'm talking about with, a, with an amiable spirit, just say, well, uh, Lord, Lord, I guess you had diff different plans. Uh, you're heading for a destination, and, uh, and, and you're supposed to be there at a particular time. And all of a sudden, as you're going down the highway, you hear, boom! And your car starts going like this, and you pull off, and you got a flat tire. Now, let me ask you something. Could God have prevented that flat tire? Sure he could have. Absolutely. Um, I, I have heard of many of you, and I know I've had it happen to me, where you've been, you've been on a trip or you're, you're uh, um, making a, a run to, to go somewhere for, a, for an appointment or whatever, and something stops you from making that appointment. How did you respond to that? How do I respond to that? Well, you know what? It depends upon whether or not we have a meek spirit. Uh, I'd like to tell you that every time those kind of things come into my life that I respond properly. Can I tell you? That's not true. I don't. Uh, when I'm meek, I always do. And when I'm not meek, I don't. Let me show you a great example of the right kind of spirit and attitude and meekness. Go with me to Exodus chapter 32. This example, this situation with Moses and God is to me, I, I, every time I read it, um, I just, 
I just, uh, you know, stand, stand amazed at the meek spirit that Moses had. By the way, um, I, I discovered something when I was checking this verse out. I checked it out. This is why it's important for you to read your Bible and not necessarily uh, just your Bible on your electronic device. Because can I tell you something? The electronic devices sometimes leave things out. And I found that. In fact, I, I've, got, I've got two of them. I've got eSword, and I've got another one called the Blue Letter Bible, I think it's called. And uh, uh, one of them had what we're going to see tonight, and one of them didn't have what we're going to see tonight. And it, it makes a big difference in the verse. It's not even a word. It's, a, it, it's, it's some punctuation. Uh, look with me down in, in chap, chapter uh, 32. Look down in verses 30 down through 32. And this is, this is Moses going to God on behalf of his people. And the, 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 uh, the children of Israel have just been rebellious, just been disobedient. And Moses is making a plea on their behalf. It says in verse 30, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord, peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, O oh, this people have sinned a great sin, and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin. Now how many of you have a dash after the word sin? Okay. If you look it up on some of your electronic devices and some of your electronic apps, you'll find that that thing isn't even there. You know what that indicates to me? There was a pause there, <laughs> a long pause possibly. And he says, and if not, now notice what he says. And this is why I think the, the, why the, why the, the pause was there. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. Do you realize who he's saying that about? He's saying that about people that have made a golden calf out of gold, who, who worshipped that calf and said it was the calf, not God, that, uh, that, that brought him out of Egypt. He's saying that about folks who couldn't stay true for 40 days. Now, the truth is, when he came down off of the mount, he did not expect, he did not expect to see them worshiping the golden calf. But that's exactly what he found. But he had the quality of meekness in his, in his heart and life. And so he comes to God on behalf of the people, and he says, show mercy on him, please, God. And if not, I'd be willing for you to blot me right out of your book. Wow. That, that to me is just an amazing, amazing uh, heart, an amazing attitude. And by the way, as long as Moses kept that attitude, he did fine. And then just before he was ready to take the children of Israel into the wilderness, he put that attitude off to the side and he got angry he got upset and when he was supposed to speak to a rock and not smite it he not only spoke to to it but he also smote it and and he lost the privilege of the promised land i am convinced with all my heart 
that we lose tons of blessings in our lives because meekness is not there. What is meekness? Meekness is strength that's under the control of God. I've I've heard, I've even heard preachers say that uh, meekness is self-control. No, it isn't. Meekness is God controlling me, not me controlling me, but God controlling me and me giving up my rights to God and telling Him that not, it's not my will, but it's His will that's important. Uh, meekness does get angry, but meekness gets angry at unrighteousness and is willing to yield personal rights for others. If, if you look at that whole situation when He came down off the mount, uh, He took those tablets and He threw them on the ground. He was upset. He was angry, and he was angry for a right cause. He was angry for God. Uh, when, when, uh, Jesus, when Jesus went into the temple and he saw that the, the money changers had turned it into a, into a business rather than a ministry and were taking advantage of the people, did he get angry? I would call that anger. <laughs> did he get upset? He wasn't just mildly, mildly ticked. He was, he was angry. But he was righteously angry. Our, our God never sinned in that anger, never sinned. He was righteously angry. And yet, not only did, did, did uh, he, he get uh, angry at the money changers and, and show, that, show that anger, but at the same time, he would, he would heal folks and he would take a little child and, and uh, afterwards put that child upon his knee and, and uh, say, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Uh, meekness gets angry at unrighteousness, but it's, it's willing to yield their personal rights for God and for others. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 5. And here's, here's the example in the life of Christ. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John 5, look down at verse 30. This is is Jesus speaking, and he says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. He he made comments like, my meat is to do the will of the Father. Um, he, he uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, said, Not my will, but thine be done. Yeah, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Uh, Jesus was always in submission to the Father because he was, he was meek. Now, did he ever get angry? Sure he did. We just gave you one example. And, uh, and he was rough. And hard on the Pharisees and the Sadducees when they needed it. Called them whited walls and sepulchers and have, uh, sepulchers filled of, with dead man's bones. But, but on the other hand, he died for those same people. You know, one of the reasons why I do not believe in what the Calvinists call limited atonement, basically what they say is that Jesus Christ only died for those people that were going to trust him as Savior. 
you know, if you, if you really you really think about that, and I, you know, I've I've discussed this thing with with folks that are of that persuasion, and they really have never given me a, a good explanation for for God so loved the world. They say that's the world of the elect, that's the world of believers. No, it's not. It's not only those who trusted Him as Savior, but it's those who do, did this. He died for them. He died for them knowing full well that they wouldn't even accept it. You know what that is? That's a meek spirit. That's a meek spirit. We, we need to be careful. You know, we say, well, well uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll be a blessing to this person, but, but I, ex- I expect them to be civil back to me. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. No expectations. Just do what God wants you to do. Focus on your responsibility. I'm convinced that our irritable spirits and our short fuses and our anger and all this kind of stuff is simply because we're focusing on rights and expectations instead of focusing on responsibility, and we're doing that because we're not meek. We're not surrendered before God. We're not surrendered. Uh, before, before you'll uh, yield your, your rights physically to God, you've, you've got to yield them to God in your soul and in your mind. Uh, you, have to, you have to come to the, to the understanding that everything you have is God's and you really have no right to anything that you have. Uh, you know, and, and you go down through the, the areas of your life. Uh, you, need to, you need to consciously... Give things to God. You know, um, back in the Old Testament, they, they always had an altar. <clears throat> and uh, the altar is where the sacrifices were made. And one day, God came down to Abraham and uh, told Abraham that he wanted him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. You know, one of the most amazing things to me in that, in that whole narrative is that there's no discussion. There's no bargaining. There, there's, there's nothing but a submissive attitude and spirit by, by Abraham. And, and, and you don't find, at least in the narrative, you don't find that Abraham is skipping a beat. And he went ahead and, and fully intended to go up on Mount Moriah and uh, sacrifice Isaac to his God. Now, according to the book of Hebrews, he already figured, he had some expectations, okay? But his expectations were not in Isaac. His expectations were in God. And he said, you know what I believe? I believe if I have to do that, God's made a promise to me, and he said that (coughs) promise was going to be fulfilled through Isaac, and so if God's telling me to do this, then what God's got to do is raise him from the dead. That's amazing, because he never saw a resurrection. I, you know, I, I don't think he ever even heard of a resurrection at that point. But he, he, he deduced that and put that together. What did he do? He got his expectations from his God. Not from the circumstance, not from the response of others, but he got his expectations from his God. He was willing to take his son, whom he loved with all of his heart, put him on the altar, and give him to God. 
We have things in our lives that we need to put on the altar for our God. For instance, we already talked about this, our schedule. You know, sometimes our, our schedule becomes, becomes holy and sacred and woe be unto anybody who messes our holy schedule up. Well, you know, sometimes God allows that kind of thing to happen, and we need to be submissive to him. Our, our, we need to put our family before, on the altar before the Lord. We need to put our music, our future, our health, our friends, our pets, our personal possessions, uh, our desires and our plans, our, our reputation, our activities, our relaxation, our clothes, our abilities. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, uh, that honestly I've had to wrestle with, and I've talked with other folks in our congregation, um, when, I, when I came to this church a little over 28 years ago, I was 39 years old. I wasn't even 40 yet. I'm a few years past that now, Okay. And you know what, there are there things that I could do back then that physically I can't do today. And by the way, there's some of you folks that were here back then when I got here, and there's some things that you're limited on today. How are you handling that? How are you handling that? And the truth of the matter is, that could happen to anybody. I mean, I've seen teenagers who are... You know, fully functional, just like well, you and I, like like other teenagers, uh, thankfully better than some of us older ones. But uh, they're fully functional, and they get in an accident and they lose some of that functionality. What is going to be your reaction to that if that happens to you, teenager? And it could happen to you. What happens if, if you turn 20 and all of a sudden you find out that you're susceptible to a bunch of sicknesses and diseases? We've had, I've seen people like that, that where when they reach a certain age, all of a sudden from that point forward, they're just sick all the time. What, what's, you know, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not speaking lightly. You say, you know, that's not you, so that's easy for you to say. No, it, it's, it's not. It's right for me to say because our lives are not ours. They're in God's hands. And, and if we have the right attitude, our attitude ought to be, Lord, you can do anything with this whole life that you desire to do. And there's a principle that's involved in that whole thing, and the principle is the principle of ownership. Who owns you? Who owns you? Take your Bibles and look at two places with me. Colossians chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians 6. Colossians chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Colossians 1 and 1 Corinthians 6. Colossians chapter 1. Look with me down in verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 says, For by him, that's speaking of Jesus Christ, for by him all things uh, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him 
and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now what that just simply means is that, that God is, is uh, predominant over all those things because he's the creator of all of those things. But that tells you that we're not the owner even of us. You know, the, uh, you hear the world today saying, well, we are the owners of the earth. No, we're not. God owns the earth. It's, it's, not, it, it's not our possession. It's his possession because all things were created by him and all things were created for his pleasure. Go to 1 Corinthians 6. How many of you, how many of you know for sure if you died today, you go to heaven? Just raise your hand. You're saved. You know that. All right? This is for you. Verse 19 says, what? Know ye not that your body, you, your body, right now, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, uh, the thing that I ought to be concerned about is not whether or not my rights are fulfilled. The thing that I ought to be concerned about is not whether or not my expectations will be fulfilled. The thing that I need to focus on is how can I give through this situation, through this difficulty, through this irritation, how can God get the honor and glory? It says, for you're bought with a price. In other words, you don't own you. Nor, nor really do you own anything that you have. I, I, I've been, uh, we, uh, we, we recently uh, got a van that uh, bought from Debbie's brother. And uh, I don't think I've ever owned a brand new car. I mean, right out of the lot. But, uh, but we've, God's been good to us and taking care of us with vehicles. But you know, every time I buy a vehicle... I always hold my breath. Because one of two things happen. Within the first two or three weeks, something either goes wrong with the car or it gets damaged somehow. I come out, of, I come out of, uh, uh, into a parking lot and there's a, there's a dent where there wasn't a dent before. Uh, uh, somebody slams on their brakes and I slam into them. Uh, something. Yeah, it just, just invariably happens. Well, when we... We got we got this uh, this caravan. I turned. I was I was I was heading. Uh, uh, I don't even remember where I was heading, but I was going somewhere. And I looked down. All of a sudden, I heard ding 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 ding. And I looked down, and the check engine light comes on. My brother-in-law said, you know, the check engine light never really went on for him. He never had a problem with it. As soon as I bought it, the check engine light comes on. And boy, I'll tell you what, did that take me off? <laughs> you know, when we get irritated like that, it's because we haven't given the thing. To, and I'm convinced, I'm convinced the reason why that kind of stuff happens, for, for, for me anyway, right after I buy a vehicle, is so God, it's, it's, got, it's like God putting his stamp on the thing and saying, see, that's mine, not yours. And if I want it to go kaflooey as you're going down the road, I can make it go kaflooey. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Well, God's testing my spirit. He's testing my attitude. And the bottom line is this. You're bought with a price. And I have a responsibility. 
My responsibility is therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God in what you do with your physical body and glorify God with how you react to circumstances and situations that are outside of your control. What do you focus on? Do you focus on your rights? Do you focus on your expectations? Or do you focus on your responsibility before God and before others with a meek spirit? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I am thankful for the reminders that you give us all throughout Scripture that uh, we are not our own. And uh, so often, though we would consent to that and we would agree to that, we don't act like that sometimes because we forget it. And we focus on what we think we deserve and what we think that are our rights rather than what our responsibilities are. We look at our expectations that we've conjured up in our own hearts and minds rather than what the responsibility is we have toward you and what the responsibility we, ha- we have toward others. Lord, I-, I am convinced the reason why we get so irritated and we have such a short fuse is because there's very little meekness in our lives. God, uh, you expect us to have a meek spirit, just like the Lord Jesus Christ did. Now, he got upset with unrighteousness, and rightfully so. But he was, he was meek and surrendered to the Father every step of the way. God, I pray that you'd work in our hearts tonight and help us to just be honest before you and ask you tonight, Lord, do I focus on rights and expectations or do I focus on my responsibility? Lord, uh, show me the last time I got ticked off And I should have just had a meek spirit and attitude and a surrendered heart. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to look at the areas of our lives, like our schedule and our vehicles and our family and our jobs and on and on it goes. Are all those things surrendered to you and on the altar? Or if we got our hands firmly clasped around some of those things, there's some things that may be easier for us to surrender to you than others. God, uh, show us those things tonight in the quietness and the stillness of the invitation. And Father, uh, we pray that you'd help us to respond to you as you speak to our hearts. Have your will, have your way. And this invitation tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.